0: Because we want everybody to be happy. This is MuggleCast episode 223 for March 20th, 2011. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to AudiblePodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 223. Micah, Richard, and I here this week. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Richard, I understand you're trying to brave the fans this this episode. You're turning a new lead. I am
1: not going to insult Daniel Radcliffe's acting once. Not even once.
0: <laughs> but uh, what about anything else? Oh, well, then it's for a game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I always thought that people were just upset that you just you know appeared on the show out of nowhere and then you were just, you were just trashing <laughs> trashing the movie they didn't they didn't get a chance to learn about you or anything it was out of the blue uh, here's this guy i'm i'm just miserable yeah i'm just an angry angry yeah, man apparently and that's what happens when you live in scotland scotland and i live in i don't anymore and now britain you're right so now you're ch- turning a new leaf yeah exactly i'm going to be happy and everything <laughs> Okay, wonderful. I'm Andrew Sams. I'm Mike Tannebel. And I'm an
1: upbeat Richard Reed.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's in the news, Micah? ABC Family uh, had a Harry Potter weekend, and uh, one of the things that we're all looking forward to is the sneak peek at Deathly Hallows Part 2. And we got this sneak peek on Thursday night. There are a couple other videos that aired uh, that didn't really pertain as much to, uh, part two. Uh, but, but this was what we were looking for. It was kind of a mini trailer in a way with voiceovers by some of the actors and producer David Heyman, David Barron, as well as David Yates, the director. And, uh, we got some new scenes. And, uh, what did you guys think overall? I mean, too much, too little um, you know, whet your appetite for an actual trailer?
0: I thought it was too little, because I was expecting this was going to be some sort of all-new look at Part 2, and it was really... There were some new shots, but then there was a lot of stuff we had seen in the Part 1 slash Part 2 preview, like, a year and a half ago, so, when the Half-Blood Prince DVD came out, so that kind of, that annoyed me, to be honest with you. But, you know, the new stuff was exciting to see, I just, uh... My expectations were uh not met. I thought it was actually the perfect amount because
1: it wasn't an actual trailer. it was just it was like a sneak preview, so we got some old stuff. we got some new stuff, so it built it created enough hype for the trailer. I thought so it was just the right amount
0: for that trailer that we still do not know the release date of April
2: first <laughs> April first well, let's talk a little bit about some of the scenes uh that we did get a chance to see. Probably the one that most people were talking about was Ron and Molly Weasley over Fred's dead body, and uh, a couple people didn't like the fact that I put that out on MuggleNet's Twitter feed, because (laughs) apparently the fact that Fred dies is a spoiler. Now, the book has been out for four (laughs) years, and uh, I know the movies do things differently, but uh, they generally don't change the people who die uh, in the film, so... (laughs) <laughs> sorry, you were spoiled if, for whatever reason, you have not read the seventh book yet, but then why you're following <laughs> never mind, I was gonna say <laughs> why you're following mugglenet, I don't know uh, so well, believe it or
0: not, there's an audience of people who just don't read the
2: books They're just movie fans, oh no, I know, you know I know, so. and so to those people, I apologize because uh, you know, if you've just seen the films and and not read the books, then uh you know, sorry. Uh, but but that was probably the the biggest scene i think a lo- and another with ginny running from uh, arthur screaming no um probably the scene where hagrid is carrying in harry's dead body um so a, a lot of emotional scenes i think you saw in this and like you mentioned there's some stuff from the previous trailer which was not new to us um we got a couple of other shots um uh, Ron saying we can end this. Hermione consoling Harry, wondering what happened just before that. Uh, we got some new looks inside Gringotts, as well as the, you know, the actual dragon escaping. And, uh, there was a shot of two Death Eaters also. I wasn't sure who they were. Um, did you guys know who they are?
0: You know, I'm just watching again and I just passed that as you said that. I think the one in the far ground is the one who we saw in part one stopping the Hogwarts Express. Right. I'm not, but I can't remember who that was yeah uh, but I'm sure at any rate yeah I mean it it was a good preview what
1: what can you say the one thing that did stuck out on that trailer for me was do you know that scene where um, Harry and Voldemort's wander they're sort of doing battle together and you know, you see like the the light attacking each one I'm guessing that was never in the book was it because they were thrown they were they weren't surrounded by anyone in that scene in the in the preview but when they fought in the book you know, almost all the characters they, in the story were around them in Hogwarts.
0: Yeah, well, not to mention, it it was in the Great Hall, too, whereas this appears to be in the courtyard. Yeah, outside, by themselves. Yeah. And, and then there's also that shot of Voldemort holding Harry around his neck. And that's not from the book, either. So it's going to be interesting to see what the hell is going on here. I mean, maybe there is still going to be a final scene in the Great Hall. Maybe this is like a the the one outside is like duel one, and then one in the Great Hall is duel two. See, I just don't know how they couldn't make that completely loyal to the book. I think that is the scene where Voldemort dies. I think that's where the
1: spell will backfire on him. Um, I reckon they've just skipped out of the Great Hall and they've kept it outside just Harry
0: and Voldemort. And then what? Like people like finally catch up to where the action was and they see what's taking place. Yeah, I can just imagine them all <laughs> slowly, slowly walking over to Voldemort's corpse.
2: And giving him a good kick in the side. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Kicking <up>. him. <laughs> Spitting on Spitting him. On tossing him. their shoes at him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, uh, you know, a couple of other things we did get a chance to see. Um, one of Snape, where he looks like he's backing up uh, against a window, uh, it probably is right before he dies. That that was a scene, I think, that was also in the previous trailer. And yeah. uh, we did get a, another shot of him, though, outside of the Potter's house in Godric's Hollow. And that was another scene that a lot of people were talking about. It looks like, obviously, they're going to do those flashbacks. uh, And they look pretty good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's exciting. And uh, the Harry Potter weekends, I know a lot of people were watching because I was looking through the MuggleCast email, and we were getting a lot of emails about questions or things people noticed while watching the Harry Potter weekend, uh, while watching those you know, older Harry Potter movies. Yeah, and and, and one
2: other scene real quick that... uh, that I saw, looks like uh, somebody is is putting up a protective spell or breaking that uh, orange orb, whatever you want to call it, that's around, around Hogwarts. Hogwarts. It's like this blue spell. Uh, so that that should be cool to see because that there's that scene in the book where McGonagall uh, makes all the things come to life and and you know, makes right. Hogwarts come to life and and defend itself. So. Uh, that's, I think that's probably what that was, but, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see this. I mean, it, it's slowly starting to, uh, to happen now. We're, we're getting the previews and hopefully the trailer soon and. Slowly but surely,
0: uh, people are thinking maybe the trailer will come with Sucker Punch, which is a Warner Brothers film. And we know Warner Brothers likes to release the Harry Potter trailers with Warner Brothers movies,
2: so. We'll see. Yep. What else is going on in the news? My favorite movie. Uh, and yes, I'm being sarcastic. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban was honored uh, by First Light Awards with the film of the decade. And uh, <laughs> look, I'll uh, I'll just report the news. You guys can discuss it as you like. Uh, this award is voted uh, for by the public in association with uh, the BAFTAs Kids Vote, and it's chosen by kids aged five uh, to fifteen. And uh, this was an award that uh, David Heyman. Received accepted accepted yeah uh, for uh, the Potter franchise he's actually presented uh, with the award uh, by Clemens Posey and so interesting connection there but I just listen it's good that Harry Potter is being recognized won this
0: award no 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 no, but but first of all this this uh, these people who gave their award like it's kind of random you know it's no Oscar and then when you look at what films it was up against. For film of the decade? I mean that's a high honor. There and the uh, the films it was against were Shrek, Whale Rider, Happy Feet, and Up. Um I mean Up was a good film too, but calling any of these film of the Decade I think is way off. <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, you know, you could be right. I think Shrek probably was to me anyway, would probably be the the stiffest competition for was Potter. What the,
1: was the very first Shrek even in the last decade? Um,
2: probably. I
0: apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Early on, but eh, all right. Well, cool. Good for a prisoner of <laughs> Before we continue with today's episode, we'd like to remind you that this week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than seventy-five thousand downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service. It's a hot series lately. You should definitely check it out. So for a free audiobook of your choice, such as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. We thank Audible for their support of mugglecast.
2: Well, uh, USA Today released some information uh, earlier this morning. We're recording here on Sunday, and uh, uh, this was about the uh, making of Harry Potter that's going to open at Leavesden Studios in the spring of 2012. And apparently, part of this $160 million redevelopment is going to include a 120-room hotel that is Potter-themed. So uh, you can go and check out Leavesden Studios and, and experience this making of Harry Potter, and you can also, essentially, for all intents and purposes, stay at Hogwarts, mm-hmm. which is cool. And I,
0: I I have to say, though, I don't think this is going to be a full-scale Harry Potter hotel. I think they will theme some of the rooms to be Harry Potter. Because also, remember, um, the studio tour down the road, they said they are going to open it up to... You'll be able to see other films that have shot at Leaves and Studios as well. So it's not going to be just a Harry Potter tour... Um, It will be at the beginning, but not down the road. So I think they will have premium rooms that are Harry Potter themed for a price, and those should be cool. Definitely. I, it's definitely an extra selling point, too. Yeah, no question about that. So. What could they put in the rooms, though? I mean, like, dr- dress them as the Gryffindor
2: common rooms, or. Well, it depends how much they're going to invest into it from, you know, a time standpoint, money standpoint, and. Yeah. It, I, I think, that, you know, you could go all out. I mean, you could. Make it look like Hogwarts if you wanted to. You could you could have the staff <laughs> play the roles uh, of different characters and and you know put in a, maybe a restaurant there or something that uh, is in you know connection to the Potter uh, series. So a lot of different things that they could do. Um, and they're probably not going to spare any expense. I mean, it, it, like you said, I think to put a hotel there is a great idea because now you know you don't necessarily have to you know go from London out to Leavesden and back, even though you said it was a pretty short trip. Uh, like 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, but now you but- can stay there maybe an extra day and experience the hotel if, if, if maybe they are going to do some things and have some events for you to enjoy.
0: Yeah, and they, I mean, you know, if you think about it, they could almost make it like how the Harry Potter theme park in Orlando has the three broomsticks. The Hogshead. I mean, you could have a restaurant and bar in there, but I, I still think it's not going to be complete, like a complete Harry Potter hotel, because like it would only people would only stay there if they're going to the museum. It's just not a good location for that kind of thing. I don't think.
2: Yeah, but but it is clear that they're looking to take advantage of of this, yeah, studio yeah. renovation because you know so much talk has been going on about the fact that there's not a Potter theme park in London. Uh, or in England. So it, it, it I think they're trying to compensate for that fact now by putting as much mm-hmm. probably into this area as they possibly can. All right, so that's exciting, Micah. But th- tell me more.
0: I need more exciting news.
2: More exciting news. Harry Potter the Exhibition is not going overseas. It's not done with its North American tour, as was uh, initially thought and reported. It's going to be headed to New York City, and it's going to open in the not-too-distant future on April the 5th. It will be, uh, at the Discovery Times Square Marquee. And, uh, this is huge news because we thought it was going to be, uh, going somewhere, uh, internationally next. And, uh, it, something changed, I think, that caused them to, to want to go to New York City. Now, I'm not sure what that is.
0: Well, the fact that it's, it's going to be in Times Square. I mean,
2: the amount of traffic going through that exhibition is going to
0: be insane. Oh, it's
2: unbelievable. Because. Yeah. You think about it, even on a slow day, it's not going to be a slow day. Like if you have this. No. uh, Where was it just recently? In Seattle? Uh, right, right. And, And, or even like Boston or, or, you know, Chicago. The thing is, or it was in Toronto as well, I think, you know, even if you have a slow day in one of those, those places, it's not going to be, uh, you know, as busy, right? I mean, but in New York, slow is is another city's regular, you know, busy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, it, like the tourism it's gonna is going to be never, very popular. Yeah, no yes. question. Um, so, Mikey, you should get a job there, being that you live in New York City. Being that I'm going to be unemployed could... in two weeks, how this is perfect? April the fifth it opens. I'm unemployed as of April fourth. It opens April fifth. I think this is a sign.
0: (laughs) We know the PR people. You can go to them and say, hey, I got... Because I don't... uh, The exhibition people, like, have fake British accents. Probably. So start practicing your fake British accent and say right now, welcome to Harry Potter the Exhibition in your best British accent for us.
2: Welcome to Harry Potter the Exhibition. No, in a British accent. That's my best British accent. That sucks. That did suck. Oh, wait, wait. Okay, let's try this. Richard... When Andrew says for me to say it in my best British accent, I want you to say it, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think you should sit down with Richard and
2: practice. Yeah. I, I, he, he's I, Scottish, but that'll work, too. Yeah, it's the same thing, basically, right, Richard?
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll just bring a tape recorder into the interview, and I'll speak for you.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> Hey, another cool thing about this exhibition is it's going to have props from part two, which I think yeah. this is the first time it's going to have pro- part two props, so... Pretty cool. I I hope I hope to check that out. Is I, this exhibition in, in New
2: York? Go- is
1: this instead of the rest of the world, or is this first before the rest of the world?
2: It's, I think it's just an addition. Yeah, it's be it's before it goes overseas. Yeah, oh, okay. this will be the last stop.
0: This well, in, until they announce like L.A. or something. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
2: uh, well, I, I was going to say though, real quick, the reasoning behind doing this, I think, has a lot to do with um, you know Dan Radcliffe being in How to Succeed in Business uh you create a little bit of a potter theme there you know the 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 uh, theater is probably not too far away from where this is going to be and you got the premiere coming up in July assuming it's going to be in New York so you have a lot of things to do now in New York that are potter related That's true. And
0: now it's almost as good as Orlando.
2: Almost. <laughs> almost.
0: <laughs> but uh, I I hope to check it out because I still haven't seen it but Mikey, you have it, it's worth going to you
2: think? What's that? The exhibition. You've been to it, right? No, actually I was supposed to go to the oh, one in Boston. I didn't go. But uh oh. I I would assume that I will cover the one here in New York. We'll see what happens.
0: Maybe. and if you're good.
2: Yeah. Thinking of sending Richard. Well no, what I can do is I can try out my British accent while I'm there. I can interview before the thing well, even opens. While yeah, exactly. While you're there,
0: be like, Hey, I listen, I I I just um Lost my job yesterday, so... <laughs>
2: maybe Feel sorry maybe for me, give irony. me a job.
0: I promise I'll post about it on MuggleNet a lot. They're going to be like, We don't need the traffic, we're in Times Square. <laughs> so basically, if
1: the accident doesn't work, you're going to try and guilt them into giving you it. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like a good plan.
2: Well, the last bit of news that we have uh, for today is that uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1 uh, recently became the highest-grossing Potter film internationally. It uh, surpassed *Philosopher's Stone* and has now earned 657.24 million dollars, and uh, it's, so it's—it's really amazing. It took ten years to get there. Um, yeah, it is. When you think about it, though, you know, just from like increase in ticket prices and you know how that's all happened over the last decade, and the fact that none of the other Potter films on an international level have been able uh, to pass uh, *Sorcerer's Stone*.
0: Well some people are actually saying that this isn't like what well, people are saying that inflation made this happen. So technically in terms of the number of tickets sold, Philosopher's Stone still may be number 1 internationally. That's a good point. Um but still a cool headline.
2: <laughs> so That's
0: yeah, like splitting hairs though. Do you think part 2 is going to beat that? I think it has to, right? Like how could how could people not I think
1: part 2 will be a lot more warmly received than part one will be.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Because everybody, everybody, a lot of people saw the first one, and from there it was sort of like a downhill. Yeah. So I think everybody will be really interested to see how the series ends. So.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about this before, but the potential for it to cross the one billion mark, I think, is pretty good. I think right? collectively it will, but I don't think it will by itself. You mean internationally? Yeah. No, I mean, I think part one and
0: part two will pass the $1 billion mark, but I don't think part two alone will. Oh. So that's all the news that we have for everyone this week. Um, before we uh, move on, I wanted to um, do a quick shout-out. Everybody knows I'm a um, big uh, Apple fanboy, and I went to get the new iPad at the Apple store in Santa Monica, and while I'm, I'm waiting in line to pay for it, I hear somebody say, be fi- say behind me, Andrew. And I look around and he goes, Michael Cass. I'm like, oh, right, right on. So then <laughs> uh, we we talked a little bit more afterwards. And his name was Antoine. And I just wanted to say uh, a shout out to Antoine. Glad that he likes the show. He's, it, was, it was really nice meeting him. And uh, I just thought that was cool. It's always nice to meet people in person. Right? I think so. he was following you. No, he, he was working there. Oh. He was working at the Apple store. <laughs> oh, okay. Did I mention that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you <laughs> left that was, out. <laughs> but,
1: but that makes the whole thing a lot less creepy now.
0: Yeah, he was, yeah, he was working. there. <laughs> and, um, on a related note, we actually got an email a few days ago from someone named Ray22 of Ireland, who is also working for Apple in Ireland. Um, I'm not sure if he works at the store or like, in, a, in like an office over there, but, uh, Shout out to him as well. Okay. And, um, we we, we got some fun segments today as, as, as well as uh, chapter by chapter. Uh, but we want to remind everybody that we're going to be at LeakyCon 2011. You can visit leakycon.com for all the details. Um, we're going to be putting on at least one podcast. No, we still don't have more details about that, but we will in the coming months. It's still a few months away. So,
1: when is Leaky calling again?
0: It's. I'm um, glad you asked. It's July 13th to the 17th in Orlando, Florida, on the Universal Orlando Resort, which is home to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park. Woo! So, if you put it all together, it's the biggest Harry Potter fans at the resort where the Harry Potter theme park is all going to see part two at the same time. It's going to be nuts. Um, there's going to be, you know, a midnight showing at Universal's really nice movie theaters. Um, and there's going to be a ball. There's going to be the, um, the panels just going really in depth into Harry Potter. Just a lot of interesting stuff. It's really going to be so much fun. So visit leakycon.com. And if you do register, enter code Muggle. That's M-U-G-G-L-E when you go through and that way they'll know that and we'll know that you're, um, You're coming to see MuggleCast along with, you know, participating in all the fun.
2: And who's going to be there? Who's going to be part of the panel for MuggleCast? You, Ben,
0: Eric, and I will all be there. So it's going to be fun. And I actually, um I I submitted a proposal for a panel um a couple weeks ago that I'm going to be doing with Ben as well as John and Melissa from Leaky. And we're going to be... Well, I won't spoil it, but let's just say it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. So, leakycon.com. Okay, here's a segment we haven't done in a while. What if? Yes, it's as simple as it sounds. We just if 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 you haven't heard us uh do this segment before, we just ask what if something some crucial part of the Harry Potter series didn't happen.
2: Well, didn't we did one too a a while ago now at this point where we said what if J.K. Rowling? was a man as opposed to a woman how would that have <laughs> altered the series and its perception and uh you know we talked about how they made her change it her her name her initial. Um, well yeah she- her initials her, her her first two initials right um uh so yeah i mean we, we always have fun with this segment and uh this one actually was sent in anonymously via email Ooh. so sorry you're not getting any credit for sending this in uh we appreciate it though So what is it? It's what if Dumbledore had given Tom Riddle the job as defense against the arts teacher. Dark arts. Well,
0: we know Hmm. Tom really wanted the job, but he never got it. Do do you think there would have been... Well, what do you think, Micah? Do you think
2: uh, Tom Riddle would have been a happier person? It is possible. I, I think also it would allow Dumbledore to keep an eye on Tom Riddle. That, you know, maybe he doesn't go and become uh, Voldemort, and, or at least not the same level, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good question. And
0: uh, I think that whether or not he got the job, he was still evil. Even, you know, while wanting that job, not knowing what Dumbledore was going to ultimately tell him, um, I think he still would have turned out bad. Maybe he just wouldn't have been... Well, I don't know. I was going to say maybe he wouldn't have been as bitter towards Dumbledore, but I I don't I don't think that would have been the case actually. Cuz evil's evil. You're not going to have favorites who were who are on the opposite side. Tom and Dumbledore still had their disagreements.
2: And he cursed the position, remember? I right? I know we try not to think about how it affects the plot later on, but you know, if he doesn't curse that position, then things probably play out a lot differently in the series. Uh so, what do you think, Richard?
1: Well, I reckon that if he had, if Dumbledore had given him the job, I reckon that it would have meant Dumbledore would have died a lot sooner, because either way, Tom Riddle was going to become Voldemort, and he kind of was at that point already. He was already using that name, and he he's already doing a lot of you know really nasty stuff. And Dumbledore knew this, and it was only going to get worse. I suspect if he was at the school, Dumbledore would have been forced to challenge him about it. And because we know the prophecy, Dumbledore wouldn't have won, um, I reckon Tom Riddle may have killed him. Mm.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, he also probably wouldn't have given him the position to protect the students, I think. You know, not to say that all the people in the regular world are you know, fair game for Tom Riddle slash Voldemort to go out and kill, but I think that you know, the students would be in grave danger having somebody so obsessed with dark arts teaching them and, you know, possible to create this breeding ground for Death Eaters and, you know, other evil wizards if, if he's within Hogwarts educating them on things. On the bright yeah. side, if he was
1: still there, the students would have learned a lot of really cool shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. Well, uh, if any of you listeners have uh, any ideas about this question, feel free to send them in. Just go to mugglecast.com and click on contact. And then interested, we'd be interested in hearing your theories behind, uh, what would have happened if Tom Riddle got the job as defense against the dark arts teacher.
2: I like what Richard said though about Voldemort, uh, about Dumbledore meeting his downfall a lot, a lot sooner or yeah. his death a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's now move on to chapter by chapter Micah. Is a brave soul. He's doing two. We're doing two chapters this week, and um, uh, Mike is guiding us, leading us through both of them uh, because a try. I was I was busy this week and I was moving. lazy, and Richard was lazy. I was focusing on being upbeat. That took all of my attention.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a sad life, then. Yeah, I had like balloons and and everything going
2: on, and I was
1: jumping up and down, cheering Pulling and smiling it's... a lot, smiling a lot. This is uh, moving those muscles in my were face. you, were you whistling as
2: you walk down the street?
1: I was, I was skipping, Micah. I was skipping down the street, <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: skipping ahead, down to the
1: Hagrid's theme. <laughs>
2: All right, well, uh, chapter by chapter this week, uh, we start with chapter 32, Goblet of Fire, Flesh, Blood, and Bone. And uh, Harry and Cedric are transported to the graveyard, and uh, that's where the the last chapter uh, left off. And uh, this raises a question for me about port keys, because up until this point, uh, how we've seen port keys be used is that they are Very specific in terms of the times that you're allowed to use them. And it seems like this port key is just to the touch. So whoever touched it first, or in this case, Harry and Cedric touching it at the same time, they're transported. So what did, what do you guys think about that? I mean, it didn't really, there was a consistency issue there for me.
0: Maybe it was just as simple as there didn't, you, you can program it how you want. There was never a rule that specifically said, um, you know, you have to, it will transport you at specific times. I mean, at the beginning of Goblet of Fire, when they are transported at, at when the porkys activate at certain times, I thought that was to help manage the traffic coming into the Triwizard Tournament.
2: You mean the Quidditch World Cup? Or the Quidditch World Cup,
0: yeah. So, you know, by, by making it certain times, they were able to stagger the amount of people that were coming into the World Cup. Um, and of course, when, when, when the cup or when the, uh, when the goblet was turned into the port key, in this case, um, it was just set to, you know, instant touch, instant go.
2: (laughs) Right. And, and it may raise another question though, and we'll get to that probably not this episode, but when Harry transports himself back, uh, to Hogwarts you know, how that necessarily works where, you, you know, it, because remember, there was nothing that was officially set up for him to return. Like nobody programmed the cup to take him back to Hogwarts. So, you know, we could talk about that later though. Uh Anyway, uh what happens next is, and it's very quick, Wormtail kills Cedric. And, you know, you hear baby Voldemort or disgusting Voldemort or I don't know what you want to call him in in this really ugly form, say kill despair. And it, it's just really quick. And when you guys first read this, you know, w- what was your reaction to Cedric dying? Cause it's really, other than Frank Bryce, who you know, has very little character development, it's the first death we've experienced from the good side.
1: Yeah. In the I, I was shocked that Wormtail could do it. Um, he's not portrayed as a very
2: good wizard,
1: and we know from Fake Woody's earlier defense against the dark art classes, when he talks about unforgivable curses, he knows he states how hard it is to do an, um, to do the killing curse in particular, and how he really got to mean it. Um I didn't think Wormtail was really capable of it. When I first read that, I almost assumed that it was Voldemort that did it, and Kill the Spear was just Harry heard that in his mind or something, but after rereading it, I realized that wasn't the case.
0: I, When I first read it, I just found it to be very tragic, just because it was so sudden and quick, and, you know, it is an instant death. Um, but I, you know, the reason why I'm not surprised Wormtail would do it is because he is so loyal to Voldemort, he knows he needs to... I don't think he is that loyal. I think he's so sure. afraid,
1: and he's got no other alternative, than he sticks with Voldemort. I don't think he's loyal right, to right, anyone other uh, than himself.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, th- think of the situation he's in right now. Uh, if he didn't kill uh, Cedric, he would have he would have been killed himself. He had he had no escape, so that's why I think he was forced into doing it.
2: So th- this is the first true death that Harry experiences in the series, and uh, one of the things that comes out of this, and we see at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix, is that Harry is now able to see thestrals. And uh, this is a question we get a lot, and it is a question that J.K. Rowling answered, so I just wanted to touch on it really quickly. And the question goes something like this, why could Harry see the Thestrals in Order of the Phoenix? Shouldn't he have been able to see them much earlier because he has now seen uh, Cedric die? But also, you know, people would ask, well, didn't he see his parents die? Didn't he see Quirrell die? And J.K. Rowling responded by saying, I've been asked this a lot, Harry didn't see his parents die He was in the cot at the time, he was just over a year old, and as I say in Philosopher's Stone, all he saw was a flash of green light. He didn't see Quirrell's death, either. He had passed out before Quirrell died, It was only told about it by Dumbledore in the last chapter. He did, however, witness the murder of Cedric, and it is this that makes him able to see the Thestrals at last. Why couldn't he see the Thestrals on his trip back to the train station, she's talking about at the end of Goblet of Fire, well, I didn't want to start a new mystery, which would not be resolved for a long time, at the very end of the fourth book. I decided, therefore, that until Harry is over the first shock and really feels what death means, when he fully appreciates that Cedric is gone forever and that he can never come back, which takes time, whatever age you are, he would not be able to see the Thestrals. After two months away from school, during which he has dwelled endlessly on his memories of the murder and had nightmares about it, the Thestrals have taken shape and form and he can see them quite clearly. So we do get this question a lot. I guarantee you, you can search our inbox. and. So does Joe. Yeah. Well, that's why she answered it. So <laughs> anyway, hopefully... Well, it is a
0: it is really good answer. And you see again how Joe has been very organized from the start of the series.
2: Yeah, I think there are things in her answer that she was able to cover. Uh, but I think, generally speaking, she had the answer in place. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, she was very organized in how she... Had planned things out, and um, you know it's a great question, and I think she gives a really great answer, uh, especially in, in terms of Harry having to understand what death is, and you know having experienced it firsthand. So um, Harry does, of course, see what has happened to Cedric, and uh, Wormtail goes about tying him up uh, to the uh, the grave of Tom Riddle and uh, Senior and uh harry doesn't put up much of a fight now remember his leg is injured his his head is you know searing with pain and uh but it surprised me because going back to what richard said about wormtail you know casting the the killing curse wormtail's not a very strong character you know even in a weakened state i would think that harry would be able to to fight back a little bit more
0: it could have been maybe too that harry is still kind of in shock about this situation, I mean, it completely came out of nowhere. One minute he was he was fighting in the driver's Tournament, and suddenly he's face-to-face with Voldemort and Wormtail, and uh, maybe that could have affected his fighting abilities a bit. I think he's probably just fatigued. I mean, he's just going through an entire tournament, uh, yeah, that's,
1: an entire that's maze. He's, he's been stabbed in the leg thanks to that spider, and he's only 14. I guess he's had a pretty hard day. You can forgive him for wanting to sit down for a little while. That is very true.
2: <laughs> okay, so uh, Wormtail resurrects Voldemort, and uh, you know it's, it's kind of this seance of sorts. Bone of the father, unknowingly given; flesh of the servant, willingly given; blood of the enemy, forcibly taken. And you know, it, it, did you guys think there's any religious connection here? Is it almost like the resurrection of Christ? You know, except on the evil side of things. Uh, you know, was there any sort of religious connection here for you. It was more the resurrection of the Antichrist, I think, than Yeah, well yeah, that's probably better put.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I never thought about that, but that's a good point, especially the way that's worded. Bone of the Father unknowingly given. <laughs> Flesh of the servant willingly given.
2: So uh now Voldemort takes on the human form for the first time really in the series. You know, we dealt with Quarrel and in, in, in Sorcerer's Stone we dealt with uh the diary version of Tom Riddle Jr. in Chamber of Secrets, and he was pretty much absent from Prisoner of Azkaban. So now Voldemort—he was isolated together, wasn't he? Yeah. So so now he's back in full form. You know, how do you think this affects Harry? Seeing his enemy now face to face—he's real. He's alive now. I suspect the one thing that went through his head that moment was,
0: "Ah, crap." <laughs> Well, it must have been it must have been extremely frightening for him. I mean, had had Harry ever even like really seen a photo of Voldemort, other than hearing you know the the accounts of other people talking about how scary and evil he is, um, this is really Harry's first look and it must be extremely frightening. I'm guessing and there I
1: weren't know. any photographs, given that everyone no one would refer to his name, let alone
2: what he looked like.
0: Yeah, and nobody like stopped to take a picture when he was uh Killing everyone. <laughs>
2: hey, Dark Lord, come over here. Post Can I get your a signature? show? for
0: Say cheese. Snap. <laughs> I'll tag you on Facebook later. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is on Twitter, right? He is. Lord underscore Voldemort seven. We interviewed him.
2: Yeah, he, he does a good job. He's a pretty funny guy, actually. So uh, next chapter, chapter 33, The Death Eaters. And, uh, it's a little bit of a comical scene here between Voldemort and Wormtail because Voldemort asks for Wormtail's arm and, and Wormtail holds out the arm that he's, you know, sliced his hand off of thinking he's gonna get, um, you know, his hand back. And, uh, Voldemort just kind of laughs at him and says, no, the other one. And, you know, he, it does that thing where he pushes his finger against the dark mark tattoo and all of a sudden the Death Eaters are called to him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of an eerie scene, you know, what if you're a Death Eater just going about your day-to-day life and all of a sudden you feel the mark burned? I mean, it's obviously gotten more, uh, strengthened throughout the course of this book because we hear Karkaroff and Snape talking about it, um, at one point, but, um, you know, would you be a little bit frightened? Would you run right back to the Dark Lord?
0: Oh yeah, because they haven't felt it in how many years? So I mean, it's it's got to be like whoa! I almost forgot what that was like. Yeah,
2: fourteen
1: years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I reckon they were all, all the Death Eaters were terrified, apart from the ones in jail, apart from Bellatrix and her husband.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Voldemort actually recounts he he has this conversation with Harry as he's waiting for what he refers to as his true family. We could talk about that in a minute too. Um. It, he talks about how he killed his father and, uh, how his mother had died in childbirth. And, you know, it's interesting because they say that Voldemort never knew love, but it does seem like everything that he has done, he has done because of what happened to his mother. Yeah. He's got mommy issues.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think, um, I mean,. <laughs> That's part of it, but some people, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, are just born evil. They have, they have this, they have this, they have this thinking in their head. They have this attitude that just doesn't go away. And, um, I think it's part that too. Do you think it was because think- he was
1: Slytherin's heir?
0: It could be. Uh, I, but I th- Or does that
1: make all Slytherin's evil by default?
0: Well, I mean, it could have been a perfect storm of things. I mean, I'm sure we could come up with a pretty, uh, a decent list of things that have, have have pissed Tom Riddle off over the years.
1: But when he was a child in the orphanage, he was still a grumpy little sod then, even before he knew much about his mother or father.
0: Right, right. So, you know, and, and as is emphasized in uh, half Blood Prince a lot, too. I mean, uh, you know, those scenes in the movie were some of my favorite. Those Tom Riddle flashbacks, because you really good, get a good sense of Um, this kid's not on the right track,
2: but, but I think the hatred for non-magical people really came about because of his father and the way that his father abandoned his mother. The fact that his father was a, a muggle and his mom was a witch. And, um, I, I think that played a huge role into it. Uh, but you know, you're right. I think inherently he is evil and he grows up to be that way. So, uh, you know just looking and what he said about his real family though some of the way that he, he treats these death eaters you know is that really how you treat your family i mean he has such a jaded view of of what family is you know he he performs the the cruciatus curse on avery when avery shows up uh and uh you know he treats people like they're insignificant so can you really consider that your family well he's been kind of
0: spoiled where he doesn't have to treat them nicely. So he can get away with these so called family members treating them like crap. Um and yet they'll still stick with him. You I mean they're kissing his robes at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to discuss you. It's better than dying, I guess.
2: I guess. <laughs> uh now one of the things he says as as the Death Eaters start to show up in the graveyard is uh, this is a quote directly from the book. They who knew the steps I took long ago to guard myself against mortal death, they who had seen proofs of the immensity of my power in the times when I was mightier than any wi- wizard living. Um, that's obviously a, you know, tied to the Horcruxes, and it's as early as *Goblet of Fire*.
0: Yeah, definitely. Good point. Um,
2: and I mean, as as we've gone through the books, I mean, we've we've obviously seen, you know, examples of that. And how the groundwork is being laid so early on in the series. Um, but as I mentioned, he does perform the Cruciatus Curse on Avery. He kind of goes from one Death Eater to the next. He restores Wormtail's hand and then says the all important line May your loyalty never waver again, Wormtail. Uh, so, you know, again, another piece of groundwork being laid because we know Wormtail's loyalty is. To Harry, maybe Voldemort's not such a bad guy. He gave
1: uh, Wormtail a pretty big hint, saying, "Hey, warning: if your yeah. w- loyalty is going <laughs> to waver again, bad stuff is going to happen. You know, stay away from that." And he so went and did it should, anyway. So I think Voldemort's just getting a bit of a bad press on this. He gave Wormtail plenty warning.
0: So should Wormtail have said right then and there, like, "Hey, about that loyalty thing," <laughs> he should have asked for further clarification. <laughs> What if I'm already in a little uh, tizzy? Yeah, a little uh, I've got this situation. A little life debt here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> would that be all right, or is that a <laughs> no-no? <laughs> Surely you understand, my lord. <laughs> okay, Michael.
2: What, what, what else? He, ca- happens he continues, uh, you know, going down the line and of of the Death Eaters, and he questions Lucius Malfoy's allegiance. Um. So, uh. You know, it's just one of those things we just mentioned about family, and it doesn't seem like he has any respect for these people at all. Um, the ones that he does are, are the missing Lestrange's that he notes are in Azkaban. He talks about you know getting the Dementors back on his side, the giants that have been banished, and an army of creatures who all fear. Now, uh, I thought this was talking about the Inferi, and again, as early as Goblet of Fire, they talk about these creatures. So. Um, not something that I don't think I would have even picked up on reading it a second time.
0: No, I.
2: Voldemort
1: knows about the prophecy at this point, obviously. Why in the hell is he speaking to his so-called family when he should be killing Harry? He's doing the typical James Bond villain thing and he's monologuing and he's <laughs> and he should have been focusing on killing Harry and no wonder
2: the guy escapes i have no sympathy you're absolutely right you're right he's he's just grandstanding he's he's taking too much time he loves
0: having that moment now i mean he's
2: he's a, he's a being
0: again he even gave him his wand back for god's sake the- <laughs> he can't be pissed yeah.
2: at all at that he mean he gave him his wand back so Uh, Others that he ends up speaking to are McNair. So what's happening now is you're getting a bigger picture of of who the Death Eaters are. Like maybe you had suspicions in the past, but now you're starting to get a behind-the-scenes look. McNair uh, played a role in Prisoner of Azkaban as the executioner for Buckbeak, uh, Crab and Goyle, uh, and not. He also references six missing missing Death Eaters, three who have died in his service— and then, you know, this was a cause for a lot of speculation, uh, you know, a lot of theorizing before it was actually, you know, the books were done. He says, one too cowardly to return, he will pay. One who I believe has left me forever, he will be killed, of course. And one who remains my most faithful servant and who has already reentered my service. And, uh, you know, what, what did you guys think about that?
1: I wasn't sure who those people were at the time. I remember trying to think who it was and I was never sure. I wasn't sure if, if it was Snape was the one too cowardly or the one who had left him forever. I always figured that Carcroft was the one too cowardly.
0: This is the type of, uh, riddles that I think really got the, the fandom buzzing. Uh, you know, like with com. I mean, there are just endless threads about these types of things that right. are in the book. And you know, having to wait for the future. So it was; it, these were some of the smartest uh quotes or uh, dialogue that Joe written, uh, that Joe wrote. I think.
2: Yeah. So, so maybe I actually have it wrong here. You're saying, Richard, that you think uh, the one who he believed had left him forever was actually Snape, not Karkaroff. Yeah, that's what
1: that's what I always took it as. I don't think Snape had ever. Sorry, I don't think Voldemort had ever considered Snape to be cowardly.
2: Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, no, you're right, that makes sense.
1: Whereas
0: Karkaroff, you know,
1: was obviously given that he testified against Voldemort and, <laughs>
0: in the court. Well, and then Voldemort um kept to his word in terms of yeah. uh, Snape being killed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, he killed Karkaroff, too. Right. So right. Not a very nice guy. No. Sorry. Sorry, Richard.
1: Hey, don't bother me. I'm 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 happy and up, <laughs> upbeat I'm <laughs>
0: happy,
2: and yeah <laughs> Come on! All right, well, Voldemort, then, uh, he talks a lot in this chapter. There's a lot of storytelling going on, and he recounts uh, what happened the night the spell rebounded on him, and he says, I, who have gone further than anybody along the path that leads to immortality, you know my goal to conquer death, and now I was tested, and it appeared that one or more of my experiments had worked, for I had not been killed. So, again, more... Horcrux talk,
0: I guess. And grandstanding.
2: Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys know, I mean, I was I was immortal and nobody came looking for me. So you jacks. Um, you know, and and again, that's what he gets into talking about um this time about where he had been the last few years. And you know, he he mentions Quirrell and, and how Harry thwarted his attempt to get to the Sorcerer's Stone uh because that would have obviously given him a mortality and then he realizes that Dumbledore would have had that destroyed so that option was out and uh then he talks about Wormtail returning and his run in with Bertha Jorkins, um how it just magically happened, no pun intended. And and he he kind of really takes a dig at Wormtail you know, saying that he didn't think that Wormtail would even have been smart enough to do what he did to Bertha Jorkins and kind of get her to take a stroll and, and you know, essentially take control of her and then bring her to Voldemort where he was able to get out the information that he needed. I'm surprised that, I guess, you know, for a storytelling purpose, yeah, okay. But why didn't
1: Voldemort just try and get his body back the first time rather than going back for the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone? Because... He could have used he Quibble to, to, for this plan just like he used Wormtail. He was always going to be in Hogwarts, so he could have got Harry that way. I don't know. Seems like he wasted three years for nothing. We needed seven bucks. So
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It, that is true. <laughs> that is true.
1: Um, hey, on, on an unrelated note, in the movie, do you know what was awesome in this scene? What? Daniel Radcliffe's acting? Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah awesome i'm uh, trying to make up trying to make up <laughs> i'm making friends uh, you'll get lots of nice emails so. <laughs> um, so he does talk about bertha jorkins giving up information about the tri-wizard tournament and that uh, there's a willing death eater that would be able to help him and so now you're, you're just trying to think because you know moody is an Orr. we know that so It. I don't think even I was making the connection at this point that, you know, who is at Hogwarts that could possibly be, you know, assisting Voldemort at this point? You know, did you guys say, oh, something's not what it appears to be, or it's Karkaroff, it's Snape, what do you guys think? I remember at
1: the time thinking it was too obvious for it to be Snape and Karkaroff, but I didn't suspect it was Moody.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, 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 I guess I thought it was probably one of those, either Snape or Karkaroff. But yeah, the whole Moody thing I think threw off everyone. Despite the hints that you sort of get, I mean a few chapters ago we were talking about how Moody just happened to show up when uh Karkaroff was going crazy outside near uh Hagrid's hut. Yeah. It was just sort of subtle hints like that, but none of them were too clear. Karkaroff or Crouch? Uh Crouch, sorry. Not Karkaroff. But Karkaroff shows up and I uh, then then Moody shows up and it's like, oh, Moody just happened to be around. It's, it, it was strange.
2: Yeah. So, so this deformed child uh, that you know we we see in King's Cross in Deathly Hallows, you know, is is sort of the same thing that Harry saw in the previous chapter, being dumped into this cauldron. And Voldemort talks about you know h- what kind of state he was in, his rudimentary weak body um, that was composed of a spell or two of his own plus unicorn blood and snake venom. I mean that's kind of a nasty combination of, of things. And and that's how he lived, really, for, you know, the last I guess thirteen years in this disgusting form of
1: I thought he was only in that form when Wormtail came When found Wormtail him. got there. So I think he was just wasn't he just like a wisp, like a, a spirit almost that he was referred to before that, living in the, yeah, in the Albanian right. jungle. So he wasn't even as much as A a solid body at that point. I think when Wormtail found him, he was able to use them to create a potion.
2: Right, right. But it's still kind of a nasty thing. Like, you think about combining blood and venom and then whatever spells Voldemort knows these dark arts.
0: Uh, Well, yeah, it's Voldemort. Of course it's going to be nasty. He's a crazy (laughs) guy. Come on!
2: So, um... Um, But but my question is, why not go for a Horcrux? Why... (laughs) No, seriously, no, I mean, no, Richard was talking before about, you know, um, you know, him wasting time right now, if he knows the prophecy, just kill Harry. But, you know, when he was in that state, why not go for a Horcrux? Am I missing something that he would have need to have done in order to bring himself back fully? I don't think he would be any better off. I think...
1: His his I don't know if you call it soul or whatever still existed physically even though his body was destroyed so he was still mentally conscious. I think that's all the harkins
2: give him. I don't think creating another one would have helped him anymore. Well, I'm not saying create any more of them. I'm saying using them to restore himself. Can he, can you do that? No, that's what that's my point. Yeah, I I don't think you can. I think they just oh. hmm. there was never any mention of that.
1: They just keep you alive. I don't think you can use them to right, get your body right. back. Okay.
2: So, uh, you know, the chapter kind of wraps up, uh, with Voldemort talking about Harry and, and how, you know, his escape was really lucky and, you know, how his downfall was more due to this unforeseen magic, this ancient magic he should have known about and should have foreseen. And, uh, you know, the, the chapter comes to a close with, with Voldemort performing this Cruciatus curse on Harry and he experiences it for the first time as he's in pain and um. You, you hear him say, you know, uh to Wormtail, untie him and give him his wand. And, and that's how it, it all comes to a close. It's time it's to do It's time duel. to duel. But as Richard pointed out earlier, why? I know you got to advance the plot, but, but let's go to the moment here. He's defeated you once. He's gotten away from you two other times. Don't you think giving him his He's wand? He's a slippery little yeah, devil. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think, I think
0: wizards take great pride in the concept of dueling. Uh, and maybe Voldemort wants to do it properly. He doesn't, he wants, he wants the story to go down in the books that Harry and Voldemort dueled, went face to face, and Voldemort won. He doesn't want it. I, this is just an idea. Maybe he doesn't want it to look like it was an easy death. Hmm. Easy kill
1: would the same thing have happened as it did at the end of well near the end of book seven, yeah, where Harry didn't actually yeah, would die had to have happened that way would that have happened again, or did the reason he not die because he made some sort of sacrifice for everyone else?
0: yeah, I'm not sure, but i mean i if uh, I mean Harry would still kind of be making a sacrifice in this situation, so
1: would he because the last time he didn't defend himself, he just said, Okay, take me, kill me, and if he's fighting back, is he doing that? I don't know. Otherwise, it seems like it'd be very easy to avoid death in the Wizarding War. That's a good
2: point. So, that's it uh, for chapter by chapter this week.
0: Okay. If anybody has any uh, questions, comments, we we raised, uh, Micah raised a lot of great questions, so feel free to email us again. You can just go to MuggleCast.com and click on Contact. Today's Twitter question. What are your thoughts on the Deathly Hallows Part 2 Sneak Peek? Sophia Jensen wrote, I thought the new stuff was amazing, but there was heaps of stuff we had already seen. Either way, Bonnie's no made it for me. <laughs> I can't say I remember that when Ginny
2: said no. no she but, screams uh, no. Um, she runs away from Arthur and it looks like uh, Harry might be uh, dead. Samantha
0: G wrote, loved the preview, but disappointed that they showed Fred's body. The only part I really didn't want spoiled, but still great. He didn't really see it, though. I mean, you, you just saw his head. Like, uh, you just saw, like, his hair. You didn't really get a good look at him. But, yeah. Evan Knave wrote, I am really excited to see Snape in front of the Potter house. Makes me think that they'll go into his love for Lily in depth. Maybe a sort of uh
2: flashback or something? Yeah, it's probably part of the prince's tale. Yeah.
0: AJ wrote, the ABC special showed enough new stuff while getting me excited to see the movie, but I think they shouldn't put so much out yet. Okay, so we're already getting those complaints. That's good. Ashley <laughs> Hyde wrote, the sneak peek was amazing. I almost cried watching it. I can tell that this movie is going to be very intense and emotional. And lastly, Dana Beringer wrote, I like the trailer, but I wish they would have shown more scenes from the movie. A lot of the things were from the teaser
2: trailer. Well, the things from the teaser trailer were also... Well, here, here's so. the thing, though. For, for people who say they don't want to see so much put out yet, don't don't watch it. I mean, don't that's... No, seriously, that's <laughs> that's the yeah, that's no, right. solution. I mean, I guess you still have a right to think whatever you want to think about them putting it out. You don't like it, but then don't watch it. I mean, then you don't get spoiled. You don't know how things play out. And, you know, that's it's a simple solution. Mikey, can you read the first email from...
0: Bethany now as we get into Muggle Mail? I just what?
2: did two chapters and you're like, okay, can you read the right, first? No, right. I got it. No, no. I'm Bethany, I'm going to read your email. 24 from Bradenton, Florida. and She talks about memory charms and she says, Hey all, just watching Chamber of Secrets on ABC Family when I started to think quite a bit about Lockhart and his memory charms. Don't you think that with all the spells available in the magical world, Obliviate would have some sort of magical anecdote? I would think reversing a memory charm would be on the same level as mending and growing bones and on petrifying people, etc. From reading the books, it seems as if Obliviate is one of very few incurable spells. Think Lockhart in book 5. Thoughts? Love the show. I look forward to every new episode. Can't wait to hear your comments on the DH Part 2 sneak peek. I
1: think that they can reverse it to a certain extent, but I think the damage to Lockhart's brain was so severe that the healers and the St. Mungo's just couldn't
2: I couldn't do it for him. Yeah. Well, what did um? It's interesting because uh, what does Hermione then do? Because she's wiped her parents' memories clean. Yeah.
1: She she said she could. She said or she implied that she could go back there and fix it when yeah. the time would come. So I assume that there is obviously a counter spell for it.
2: Yeah. I, there's got to be something that can be done. I mean, but I wonder if it's got to deal with intent. Like Lockhart was doing it with some sort of malicious intent. You know, just,
0: oh, yeah. Just, Maybe there's certain different like levels of ob- of Obliviating you can do. And the spell isn't foolproof either, because if you remember at the start of Goblet of
1: Fire and the Quidditch World Cup, one of the guys, the Obliviators, had to keep wiping someone's memory, one of the muggles' memories. Right,
2: right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's usually, it, when they do it, it's event-specific, isn't it, for the most part? I mean, you have to remember what happened with Lockhart yeah, I think was so. kind of a... An odd situation. It's his entire life, wasn't it? Yeah, but also remember, it was because Ron's wand didn't work right. So who knows how yeah, that affected exactly. the spell? That, that
0: yeah, I think normally it would never be that powerful.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: Do you think they could have went back to the found the um, authors that um, Lockhart stole the stories from and like <laughs> bring them back to life? <laughs> it's possible. I would. Somebody should. All those poor people. You're right. Okay, Richard, can you read the next email, please? Pretty please? Yeah. This is. Will you, Richard? Uh, I will. Okay. This is from. This is from Kim,
1: who's in Colorado, and she says, "Hey guys, I've been in the boonies and away from internet access for a while, but got the most recent, uh, recent episode before I left. I've been gone mapping out some old caves and." Is that Colorado, I'm guessing, so. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes like to listen to your podcast while I'm working. I just happened to be listening to episode 219 when you mentioned Caves is a weird place to listen to MuggleCast. Why, yes, I do listen to MuggleCast in Caves. Just thought I would share this
0: little bit of irony with you. Love the show, and thanks. You guys rock. Okay. I thought that was funny. You know, we've been getting a lot of these weird places emails, and I think what we should do is like make a list on MuggleCast.com of all the places.
2: Yeah. Micah, can you get on that please? Yeah, I'll take care of that. <laughs> I just Thanks. I I don't actually I think it's gotten to the point now where I don't want to know if, if there are more people listening to us in caves because I don't know. Why are you afraid Osama's gonna run in? Well,
1: he might. I mean he <laughs> might enjoy our show. I'm going caving in a couple of weeks. Are you? Yeah. I'll I shall bring my iPod and I will listen to MuggleCast there. Yay! And then email us.
2: I actually think it's really cool. <laughs> then though. I
1: will email you. Then I will read out my own email.
2: I think it's cool what? that 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 you know people have all these different types of jobs and they listen to us when they work and they can absolutely they commute and go to school and you know you should pay attention in class, kids. Don't don't listen to us unless it's really boring or something like that. Um, but <laughs> no, it's I think it's great and all the it's there. Come from all over the world too. We hear all this stuff. Yeah. So
0: yep. It's really it's cool. Very very fun to read those emails. Next email comes from KC16 of Middleton, Wisconsin. Hello! In response to episode 222's chapter-by-chapter, although I agree with many of the reasons you brought up on why Dumbledore doesn't like Dementors, I think there is one you missed. Dumbledore's father, Percival, went to Azkaban with the Dementors for attacking the Muggles who attacked Ariana. He later died there, too. I think that Dumbledore would see the Dementors as just another reminder of his father, Ariana, and the rest of his dead family. I don't think that Dumbledore necessarily wanted to forget about his family. I just think that the the Dementors were an added reminder of his tragic past. Thanks for reading. Stay awesome. Yeah. That's a really good point. Good email. Mm-hmm. And Micah, let's go ahead.
2: Uh, next email. Next email is anonymous, and uh, it's about Ben. So uh, it says, hi, MuggleCast. I was recently listening to your first episode for the first time in many years and almost fell over. Did you know that Ben cracked the entire series in Episode 1? At 1956 to 2042, Kevin asks, Now, have you heard the theory that Harry, or Harry's scar, is a Horcrux? Ben replies that, since Harry must destroy all the Horcruxes before he can kill Voldemort, that would mean that Harry would have to first kill himself, then kill Voldemort, which really doesn't seem very likely. I just had to point out that Ben cracked the whole plot of the seventh book 20 minutes into your very first episode. Awesome. You should play that flashback on the show.
0: I don't have it, but I think that's uh, very interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: That was a very popular theory, though, in fairness. It was. Um, it was. I had the same th- theory as well way way we back. back. Oh, well, too bad hard you hard to... weren't on episode and one. And you should have written
2: a <laughs> book. You could have written a book. It made money off of it, Richard. Yeah, I
1: have to be honest with you that I did not care that much.
0: No. But now you do. <laughs> <laughs> now now I'm furious at myself. <laughs> um, Richard, I'm just gonna briefly talk about this next email. We got this really long email from Katie18 of New York. She was very upset about our dueling club in episode 222. I'm not gonna read this whole email because it's very long, but she wrote Are you kidding me? Sirius would not lose to Karkaroff. First of all, I am sick. I am so sick of you guys calling Sirius immature and reckless, and in this episode you made him seem like an incompetent wizard whose only attribute was he's an animagus. Let us start there then. It is extremely difficult to become one, and you have to be a very talented wizard to be to accomplish it, and he did it when he was a teenager at school. Not to mention he was the top of his class at Hogwarts with James. He escaped his evil family at the age of 16, something that couldn't have been easy to accomplish. He was powerful enough that Dumbledore allowed him to be the Potter's Secret Keeper. And what did he do again? Oh, yeah, he escaped Azkaban and then avoided the Ministry of Magic for months. The only reason he got caught was because he exposed himself. He <laughs> exposed so, himself, really? <laughs> he, he went streaking. <laughs> um, he had a wild side. Katie, you bring up very good points. and You're right. Um, he could definitely put up a good fight. I won't take back the our determination from last episode's Dueling
2: Club. What? You do bring up good points. Yeah, no, I think she brings up great points, but I think one of the things, because we got a lot of emails, actually, like the one Katie sent in, and here's the thing with the Dueling Club. It's not necessarily about who would win. It's about who presents the better argument, and I think that in this case who presented the argument for Karkaroff made a stronger argument than the person who, who made the case for Sirius. And that's what the judgment takes place on. It doesn't take place on, we all love Sirius. So Sirius would win, you know? So that, that's just one thing to keep in mind. And, and that, that's really what I wanted to say. So,
0: all right, well, that was well said, uh, Richard, how about you read our final email today before chicken soup?
1: Alright, this is from Gabrielle13 from Colorado Springs, and she says, "Uh, I just started listening to MuggleCast and really enjoyed listening. I am really wanted to tell you that my 10-year-old sister just got into the whole Harry Potter books. She loves them a lot, and her birthday is coming up. I wanted to say happy birthday to her in a special way. I then thought of MuggleCast and how much I love it too. I think that if she would love to hear a special happy birthday from MuggleCast. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Um, Well, happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday. Unless I'm mistaken here, it doesn't look like she says the name of her sister. She doesn't, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah, that is unfortunate. (laughs) Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Gabrielle's sister. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever you are. And finally today, chicken soup from the Cast Soul. This one comes from Lauren Utter, 15, of Salt Spring Island, Canada. What a name for a town, Salt Spring Island. That sounds very refreshing. (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm a fairly recent fan of your podcast, and I just wanted to thank you for keeping me up to date on all the Harry Potter news and for providing an excellent Harry Potter podcast. I'm currently on a three-month student exchange in France, and I'm very homesick. I listen to your podcast on the way in into school, and it prepares me for a day where I don't understand half of what is going on around me. Thank you oh so much for bringing a little bit of home to me and for the daily daily laugh that listening to your conversations bring. All the best, Lauren. And uh, she says that this email is also um, a submission for Weird Places to Listen to MuggleCast, being a school bus in France. So, cool stuff. Thank you, Lauren. And a couple announcements before we wrap up today. Micah, tell us about this fan art book. What's this about?
2: Yeah, one of our staffers really is taking the lead. Keith Hawk is doing a great job putting together this fan art book. And uh, all the proceeds are going to be going to charity. And uh, we just got the green light to move ahead with the book from the people we needed to speak with. So uh, what we're doing right now is, is if there's artists out there that... You know, that have spoken with Keith already and are looking to get the necessary forms and pieces of art to him. You have until April the 17th to be able to do that. And if there are people listening to the show right now who want to be involved in this, this project, it's going to be a really great book. It's going to be, you know, a, a book of Harry Potter fan art that kind of chronicles the series from Sorcerer's Stone through Deathly Hallows. So, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really going to be something that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. And it's done by the fans for a great cause. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in, in submitting art to Keith, you can send him an email, keith at dot And he'll send you the appropriate forms to fill out and let you know what you need to do. So we have, I think right now over 200 pieces of art already. We're looking to get probably wow. over 300. To, wow. uh, and, and the thing is here, uh, you know, kind of a little uh, disclaimer that there's no guarantee that that your art will be used in the book. But, you know, obviously the more we get, um, the better in, in terms of being able to put this thing together. So if you're interested, go ahead and send them an email. And uh, April 17th, uh, as of right now, is the deadline.
0: And I imagine when you when you guys go to select the art that will actually be in the book, you're not looking for the best Art, but rather you're looking for the best mix. Oh yeah,
2: absolu- different absolutely. Different styles, yeah.
0: different looks, themes, right? Et
2: cetera. I, I think it, it's the point is to make the book as unique as possible, and, and like you said, have a lot of different, uh, you know, different coming from different angles and and different messies, different forms of art, I guess, or you yeah, know, how you. However, you, you know, if you draw, if you paint, you know, if, if you made it on your computer, let's say through some program, I think we're looking at all different types of things. And, and Keith is really the, the one who's behind this, who's spearheading this. And, you know, he's done a great job with it. And, you know, hopefully we're able to get it out. Looking, to, I think, to get it, um, you know, to a publisher in time, uh, for the, the last movie to kind of coincide with that. Um, you know, hopefully that does happen. But, uh, you know, it, it is, It's going to be for a great cause. We're working on the charity right now.
0: All right. Very good. And also two more announcements. First, LeakyCon. We talked about it earlier this episode. Just visit LeakyCon.com for lots of information about uh, the amazing conference that's going to be happening in July in Orlando. And finally, as I've been telling you about for the past few episodes, be sure to check out new podcast I'm doing along with my friend Ben Hype. Just visit HypePodcast.com. We're recording a new episode uh, right after recording MuggleCast, so um, there'll be a new episode out, along with the new MuggleCast episode. Thanks, everyone, for
2: listening. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Mike Atanabelle. And I'm Richard Reed. Andrew, I will see you on Wednesday. Uh oh! Right, we're going to see how to succeed together. I'm so excited. I'll stay positive. I'm so excited to see this.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm sure it's, it's. I I was positive, but now that I've not been invited to this, I'm not
0: feeling too great now. <laughs> it's in New York, Richard. <laughs> if it was that in London, is, I would have invited. That you. does not matter. <laughs> it is the thought that counts.
2: Yeah. Oh. Well, Richard, you're invited if you want to go.
0: Sweet. Yeah, because Micah doesn't really want to go.
2: I do, though. I know. I. Th- I think it'll be I think it'll be a good show. Eric talks you know he says it's such a great show and uh you know well
0: Eric hasn't seen it yet so
2: well Eric was in it right I mean he's uh right in his local
0: yeah performance and yeah.
2: uh his interview actually with uh Dan Radcliffe he sat down and spoke to him as he mentioned uh, on the last episode uh should be available posted now.
0: this week yeah this sometime this week yeah on dot com so keep an eye out for that. All right, we'll see everybody next time for episode 224. Peace. Bye.